What's up, guys? Thanks for coming to our Kaafa and Miss You podcast. Here, you will find resources to help you grow in real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. So you can learn to love Jesus, not just for a season, but for a lifetime. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy. My mom and uh, a friend named Jimena are out there watching them. They're phenomenal. Yeah, that's Jeremy's wife. That's why he got all excited. He's like, woo, she looks good. And I'm like, you can't see her, but I get the idea. She's pretty cool. She's done all kinds. How many travel study abroads did she do? One or two? One. She did one study abroad. And the idea of it sounds so cool. I don't know if I want to leave my friends. But there was someone who was doing a semester at Cambridge. And while they were there, he went to this famous courthouse called the Old Bailey. And he realized you're allowed to sit in there and listen to the trials. You don't know what it's going to be, though. And he realized really quickly as the, when the, that the trial was a very heated, controversial one where this man in his older years had been accused by two minor girls of raping them. After the charges were laid down, this old man's attorney started to question the girls. And he started and said this. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you girls to do just one thing. I don't want to make you nervous. I don't want to make you upset. I don't want to make you scared. If I ask you a question and you don't know the answer, tell me. It's okay. Just say, I don't know, and I'll move on to the next one. But if you answer my question, I just want to make sure of one thing, that you tell me the truth. That's all I'm asking you. Just tell me the truth. And the girl said yes. So he, his line of questioning begins. He comes to the end of it. And his final one, he says, on that day that you said this happened, why did it take you two months to tell your mom and dad what had happened two months earlier? They were struggling to give an answer, kind of moving around in their chairs. And so he throws this one out there. He says, how about this? Is it true that the day you decided to tell your mom and dad, this man actually saw you in such and such a place doing such and such a thing, he walked upon you guys on his way home from work, saw what you were doing, and said, where's your mom and dad? I'm going to tell them where I've seen you and what I've been seeing you, what I saw you doing. Is that true? One girl shuffles a little bit and says, I can't, I can't remember. And the other one fuddles through an answer that seemed a little incoherent. And all of a sudden, in the whole room, you sense this trial taking a turn. And what you realize is that if what they're saying happened is true, then this is a horrible human being. But if it is not true, then they are totally destroying his life. So in this court case, the truth matters. We started this series last week called Black Mirror because nothing better describes where our societies, particularly people our age, get our ideas of right and wrong, our idea of truth and lies, hopes and dreams, likes and dislikes, than through our screens. Some get it from news stations, others from Facebook influencers, others from YouTubers, others from shows and movies and apps. And those ideas are what lead and shape who we're becoming for the rest of our life. But eventually, you're going to turn off the TV, you're going to turn off the tablet, the phone, or whatever it is, and it's just you that's left there with all the ideas you got from it. And the question is, what ideas are you getting from it? Do you even notice what you're being told? Do you even think on them? And one of the bigger ones you will hear about more and more subliminally and very explicitly are ideas about truth. You're beginning to be told more and more 
that your truth is your truth. If that is your reality, then live it. Simply put, you live your reality, others will live theirs. That's your truth, yours is different, that's fine. They're both truth. Simply put, there is no objective truth. Therefore, truth is just a social construct that ultimately doesn't matter, if I could succinctly put it. But, what happens if you are accused of rape and the truth is that it didn't happen? What happens if you were raped, but someone is getting away with it, and the truth is that it did happen? I bet the truth matters when a lie would ruin your life. So if living a lie could be costly, if believing a lie could be costly, then it must be at least worth it to look into the idea of truth tonight for just a little bit. So we'll look at three things. The truth in history, the truth in you and me, and the truth about truth. <clears throat> so we'll pray and get started. Jesus, Lord, the avenue and idea of speaking is so weak. Would you please show up and do what only you can do, speak in ways only you can speak, that words, no matter how they're crafted and articulated and done, can do what you do. Lord, please let your truth, let the things you see be known to us. Please, please, please. We need you desperately. Help us to hear you and anything you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. And for, I, meant, I forgot to mention this last week. Um, oh my gosh, where's my wife? Are you in here? It's her birthday today. I was She's amazing. Uh, it's her birthday today, and I'm leaving tonight out of town, and I'll be gone for nine days, and that's just, she's just awesome. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how she does it. She's amazing. You can't have her, but she, you know, like, I'm her, she's mine. I make sure I say it both ways so we don't get offended. Um, yes, I belong to her. She belongs to me, blah, blah, blah. But point, what I was going to get to is that at the end of this, I understand how it may look. I, like, if at any point you ever have a question that comes to mind, a thought, a concern, something you disagree with, the best and easiest way to deal with that is to just come talk with me. And so I meant to say last week from at the very beginning that like a lot of what we talk about brings up very good and valid questions, questions that really matter and questions that if answered wrongly just make Christianity look foolish, but questions that if answered thoughtfully and rightfully like, help us see what the Lord really intended whenever he came here. Does it make sense? And so if you end up having questions and you feel comfortable enough, you can always, like, I'll always wait up on the side at any point during teardown. You can come find me. You can come ask me. And if they're not comfortable with that, you can always ask your small group leader, and I guarantee you they'll have great answers for you. So... In the movie Encanto, for those of you who have seen it, there is a... Yeah. Is that you? I thought you didn't like it that much. Oh, she likes, she likes Tangled more. I didn't think she was a fan of Encanto. Okay, she also said Frozen is her number one. Tangled is a far number two, but it's not anything over there. In this movie, there is a scene where a man named Bruno is being chased through the back walls of their house by his niece. And while this is happening, his niece falls into a pit. Bruno goes back to save her, tries to reach down to get her. He ends up falling into what looks like this bottomless, fog-covered pit. And then in a moment, the reality you think that is happening is that Bruno is dead. And you're like, gosh, Disney, first of all, you're getting very political, and now you're getting very gruesome. It's happening very fast. But a moment later... 
The camera angle changes, the fog dissipates, and there's Bruno standing there, no more than 15 feet below where he fell, completely unharmed. In the scene, for one moment, given the circumstances, Bruno was dead, for all we knew. But with time, a change in perspective, with some removing of whatever is fogging our vision, you realize that once you, what you once thought was true never actually was because you just didn't see the whole picture. And this is my point that I will elaborate on a little more. Truth seen from the wrong angle doesn't make it right. The greatest reason, and I'll me explain, the greatest reason you'll find for today's claims to truth is that we are more sophisticated than we've ever been, more educated, more enlightened. We see greater, understand deeper, know wider. It's on the back of great learning that we have left behind the old antiquated ways of truth. But this isn't the first time that someone or a society or a culture has ever said this in history. The greatest empires in history, on the backs of the greatest learners of their time, heralded this idea that we now understand what is true and what truth is. The great Greek empire said it was true that the seasons changed because the goddess the goddess of harvest or, and fertility would leave during fall and winter to go visit her kidnapped daughter in the underworld. It was true to the Egyptians in the 9th century, the Middle Easterns after that, Africans after that, the Roman Empire after that, Europeans after that, and then Americans in the 1600s, that based on your economic class or your race, you were deserving and lower as a person, so you, therefore you were deserving to be a slave. It was true at one point that Christian nations believed the right way to spread Christianity was by killing off anyone who believed other or practiced other religions. And then finally, there was a man who, had take, who was taken through the death camp at Auschwitz. In one room, you would see now that there's pictures of children that are just skin and bone from starvation. In another room, there was still 14,000 pounds of women's hair that hadn't gotten to be sold in the marketplace before the Nazis were run out of it. Jews were being exterminated at the rate of 12,000 every day. And there was a prisoner who was a prisoner at Auschwitz twice named Viktor Frankl who said, if we present man with a concept of man which is not true, we may well corrupt him. The gas chambers at Auschwitz were the ultimate consequence of the theory that man is the product of heredity and environment, essentially an accidental cosmic explosion. I am absolutely convinced that the gas chambers of all of these death camps were ultimately prepared, not in some ministry or other in Berlin, but rather at the desks and lecture halls of nihilistic scientists and philosophers. So for Germans at the time, the most educated generation at that point in history, based on Darwinian social evolution, this was the true and best way for humanity to go forward. But, I know, each one of us looks back and confidently says, well, I would never have subscribed to that. I would have protested against that. I would have been against that. But, you know, in time, in that time, you may not have actually thought that. Because now, it's easy. We take in whatever we hear, we give no thought to it. We don't really reason with it. We don't really ask questions about it. We adopt a way of thinking and then respond like a five-year-old when someone disagrees with us. We take in and believe whatever we hear, and that's exactly what Germans did in their universities at their time. The truth in history is that everyone up to this point 
have all said, we finally have the truth. We know what truth means. We know what truth is. But evil had not subsided, but just simply became more sophisticated. We know more today than we ever have, is what people say. We have advanced more than ever in history, is what they will proclaim. We have removed the fog from our eyes, and now we know the truth. But why is our world not any better? The truth in history is that even in light of more truth, there was not less evil. So what do we do? I think that Viktor Frankl was right. If we present man with an image of himself that is not true, we will corrupt him. So rather than look at history to blame, rather than look at governments now to blame, rather than look at educational institutions, let's just take a very vulnerable look at us. <clears throat> there were two fathers, or two brothers, whose father was dying of old age, and this father was going to pronounce a blessing for his older son. But through a series of deceptions, the younger brother tricked the father into believing he was the older brother, and then he gave him the older son's blessing. This younger brother, named Jacob, had pretended to be his older brother, Esau. Later in life, one evening, Jacob is wrestling with God, and yes, I know how that sounds, you can ask me about it later. So Jacob is wrestling with him and says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And in this moment, out of all the questions that God could have asked, this all-knowing God could have asked, he looks at Jacob and says, what is your name? What is your name? Why would God ask him what his name was? Because years before, when he stole his older brother's blessing, he lied about who he was. He pretended to be Esau. And now, before an all-seeing God asking to be blessed by him, God says, Who are you? And he's like, You got me. You got me, Lord. I'm Jacob. And God said, Because you admitted who you are, I will now make you a great nation. And this is the point. You cannot grow in the future if you will not admit where you are in the present. Too many people want to give off that they are more than they are right now. They want to give off that they know more than they do. They want to give off that they're more talented than they are. They want to give off that they're less depressed than they truly are. But hiding the truth in the present only means living a lie in the future. You cannot learn to hear from God if you will, if you keep pretending that you already do. You cannot learn to live life with Him in a real and intimate, interactive, friend, face-to-face, -face, like Moses kind of way, if you're afraid of admitting that you've never had it in the first place. G.K. Chesterton responded to a newspaper article that asked the question, what's wrong with the world? And he said, Dear Editor, in response to your question, what is wrong with the world? I am. Yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. If we won't admit the truth that is in us, we will never grow out or past it, out of or past it. So what is this truth in us? The truth, the Bible says, is that the human heart is desperately wicked and evil, very self-centered, very self-seeking, self-pleasing, self-serving, to put it in a way, words we might understand. Above all things. That's the problem. That's the point I'm getting at, is that the problem is not out there. The problem is not with China. The problem is not with Russia. The problem is not Democrats or Republicans or whoever it is you like to blame. The problem is in you, and it's in me. The problem 
is when we won't be honest about that truth that is in us. We don't like to be honest about it because it means that we have to change something or we're obviously selfish. It means I'm responsible for my part in why the world is how it is today. It means I either own up and change it or I can just blame that liberal or that conservative because they're the problem in the world. And just because you think it doesn't make it true. The truth in us is that the world's problems start in us. And if we won't admit that present truth, we will always be living a future of lies. But the better question now is how do you know, you can ask me this, how do I know, Mr. Man saying things, how do I know that that is true? How do we know that the evil in the world is really just a culmination of the evil, the self-centeredness inside of me? In the movie Interstellar, there's a portion uh, of it where they're trying to find a new planet to start this new life on. But when the time came to look for this planet that was marked by some astronauts on a previous mission, there were two planets that had been marked. There were two separate astronauts saying that their planet was fit to sustain life. The problem was that the current mission didn't have the resources to check both. By checking one, meant we're putting everything we have into believing this was the right one. If they picked wrong, then all of humanity's hopes in one instant would disappear. And so this team argued back and forth because the costs and the stakes were so high. Both of the beacons are claiming the same thing, but the cost of choosing wrongly was so immense. So after much fighting, they pick one, they show up, and find out they chose wrong. If you haven't seen the movie, I'll let you figure out what happens later. But the problem was that none of them, even with all their insight, the smartest, and I get this as a movie, but it's very depictive of how the world really is, with all their insight, the smartest, brightest people in all the world at that time, all of their future technology that we don't actually really have, even then, they couldn't have known to the best of their ability what the true right choice was. They just didn't know enough. They, couldn't, they didn't see enough of the picture. Their perspective wasn't great enough. Their perspective was just very limited. But, given the circumstances, I understand that even with a limited perspective, they had to make a choice. And that makes sense. But, the person who sent that beacon, saying, my planet has life, lied about it. And that lie would have cost all of humanity everything. They needed a greater perspective to help them. And this is the point. Because as finite beings... Each one of us will always have just this finite experience, or finite perspective, a very limited perspective. There are truths that you and I need to know that we just don't have the perspective to know on our own. Science has been great at telling us how the world works. That's exactly what it should do. But it leaves stunning <coughs> pin-drop silence when someone asks the question, why does it work like that? Why are things how they are? Why does my life matter? My friend wants to kill themselves. Why should they not? Why does their life matter? Because I say so, who am I to give them that much weight? Who are you to give them that much weight? Do we need the president to say it? Because I don't think he has time for that today. Why does he have that much weight? Why does life matter? Why do we do the things we do? Why is there good and evil? Why is this good? Why is this not? Or, we might just say that the idea of right and wrong, the idea of good and evil, are just social constructs or is that just an answer from a limited perspective that really can't see any further, so we just picked the planet we thought was right 
this idea that there is no right and wrong. We show up to that planet where there's no rights and wrongs, no good and evil, and we realize it's never livable in the first place. The problem isn't that truth doesn't exist. It's just that our perspective isn't big enough to see all of it. We can see much. Much is evident, but much is not. We need someone who can. We need someone with an infinite perspective to tell us what is objectively good and what is objectively evil, but is who is also good enough in and of themselves, trustworthy enough in and of themselves, that we can follow them. We need someone who is all-knowing, all-powerful, and perfectly, perfectly good and unselfish. And of course, you guys are like, oh, he's teeing this one up. Yes, it is the God of the, the Bible describes. He is the only one smart enough to see all things the only one powerful enough to enforce all realities, and the only one good enough to be trusted at whatever he says. The truth is there and can be known, but we have to know the one who knows it. The truth about truth is that only God knows all of it. Therefore, we need to know him. But as I close, I will tell you the one reason that always keeps this from happening for each one of us. Since the beginning of time, there was one aim for every enemy of God. The one aim of the serpent in the garden was this. Do not trust him. He doesn't want what's best for you. He just wants to withhold from you so your life sucks and is terrible. He is withholding great things from you. If you just take what he's withholding from you, you'll have all that you dreamed of. And many of you might have grasped for those things and realized, like Tori said, It's really not all it was cracked up to be. But this is the goal. You can't trust God. Mankind won't trust God. They misunderstand his heart because of this, question his motives in light of this, deride his name, and in doing so not only hurt God's heart, but hurt themselves in the process. The common problem, the pervading issue, the poisonous idea is that we can't trust him. If he is there, we can't trust him. The one thing we need in search of truth to know God is undermined by this one thought. You can't trust him. If he's really there, you can't trust what he says. You can't trust that he wants what's best for you. So we don't. We don't trust him. We don't know him. Can't know him. Don't care to know him. But we long to know him. And I'll explain why. We long for what is true and real. And John 16, 13 says he is the only one that can lead us into all truth. One person in history even said, if you show us the Father, if you show us God, that will be enough for us. We will be satisfied. The cry of the world is that God isn't there, and if he is, you can't know him, and even if he is there, you definitely can't trust him. But the deeper cry that is always exposed by the darkest moments in people's lives is when people say, show me the Father. Show me God. And I will be satisfied. That will be enough. And this is where Jesus blasts into the scene of history. Unknown, unwelcome, largely unloved. And he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the way to God precisely because I am the truth of God revealed and the life of God given. To the one who says, just show me God and it will be enough for me. I'll I'll have enough. God, show yourself to me and it will be enough. Jesus says, if you have seen and known me, you have seen and known the Father. 
And in the search for truth, Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth of God revealed. And so to know Jesus, to know who he is, to know how he is, is to know who God is and how he is. We need God. Jesus is the truth of God revealed. Therefore, we need Jesus. The truth in history, to sum it all up, is that everyone at this point has said, we finally know the truth. But evil did not subside, but became more sophisticated. The truth in us is that the world's problems, if we're honest, started us. The cause of all the world's problems can be traced to each one of us in our mindset, at times, of me first, what I want over anyone else. And the truth about truth is that God is the only one who knows it all and can help us. So if we want to know what is true and walk in it, we have to know God and walk with Him. What's wrong with the world is us. What's wrong with us is that we love what the Bible calls sin. And sin, to put it simply and understandably, is just loving what pleases me most over what's best for everyone else. If what pleases me is to shoot up this room, today's society would say, my truth matters, even at the cost of you guys. My truth matters. But the, the real truth, God's truth, says you love one another. You choose unselfishly. You may want this, but it would cost everyone else here for you to get what you want. And that is not worth it. Sin is loving what pleases us most over what is objectively best. God is the only one who knows what is best and chooses it every time. Even if what's best for you and me is for him to die on a cross so that we don't have to. He can be trusted because even when we hate the idea of God, even when we laugh at it, even when we mock it, even when we're bored with it, he still knew it and sent the one he loved to die for us. Even then, people at that time thought the cross meant shame and death. They're like, this is the truth of the cross. It's shame and death. But God knew that the real truth was that it meant honor and life. James Stewart said, Jesus' foes nailed him to the tree, not knowing by that very act they were bringing the world to his feet. They gave him a cross, not guessing that he would make it a throne. They flung him outside the gates to die, not knowing at that very moment they were lifting the gates of the universe to let the king of glory come in. They thought to root out his doc- doctrines, not understanding that they were implanting in the hearts of men the very name they intended to destroy. Do not miss out on this Jesus, the one who is really the way to go, like we said last week, and the truth of God revealed, just because of what society tells you and you don't question it ever. You should question what I said. You should search it out for yourself. You should ask the hard questions. But we got to ask the hard questions of what's being told to us every day on the stuff we look at. Yeah. And don't miss out on Jesus because of how other people have represented him wrongly. I'll end with this quote. A British theologian said, There are plenty of so-called, there's plenty of so-called Christianity in this world that is pathetically fashionable, superficially showy, and boringly trite or unoriginal. It turns my stomach as well as it turns yours. But the existence of a thousand fakes does not mean there is no such thing as a genuine diamond. If you continue to become part of this small group family you're a part of, and all that it can become if you'll let it, I am confident you will see the genuine church as Jesus meant it to be. And I'm 
will see and eventually meet and experience the person of Jesus and the truth that he wants to show and share with you. So we'll pray. <coughs> Jesus, we love you. We need you so desperately. You're the only one that can go with us in every moment. You're the only one that can share every hurt with us, that can understand every loss, understand and share every joy. Be with us to share it all. Help my friends all know and experience what that's like. Help them to just have a taste of what it's like. Help them to just know it for a moment so that they'll never want to leave it. They'll long for it. They'll long for you. Please, please, please help whatever it is we have when it's not you be so clearly in contrast to what you can give. Help us to see it, please. Lord, words tonight cannot make that happen, but you can. So please, 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 Father, be with all of us. Be with us. Speak to us. Help us to hear you. Help our hearts be softened. In Jesus' name, amen.